What's What's up, everybody? Welcome back. It's another week here on the What's Real podcast. Hope everybody listening has had a great week. Getting ready to go right into the weekend. I am your host, Ed Demko, along with my main man, Jared Bajoris. What is good to Jay? Finally able to be pumped up again. Hey, yo. We've been through some rough times the past few months, but that is life. And you roll with the punches, and it makes you realize that as cliche as it is, no day, no tomorrow is guaranteed. No day is guaranteed. And we're good right now, man. So another pumped up, pulsating, veiny start for the Pulsation Nation, I hope. So here we go again. <laughs> Fucking right, man. But, uh, you know, one of the things I wanted to bring up first off here, I know we uh, kind of just bullshit here in our first little you know, segment in the show, but I wanted to thank everybody uh, for a lot of the positive feedback and stuff that we've got from the last episode, the sneakerhead segment and stuff like that. Some of you guys seem to really like that. Uh, And we appreciate you guys listening. So that was really awesome. So that was probably the first thing that I feel like we've done on the show so far that uh, we've managed to get a decent amount of feedback from people that we know personally too. So that's kind of cool. A lot of our friends grew up, uh, especially obviously that are at the same age and uh, went through a similar upbringing and, and we're fellow sneakerheads. And uh, yeah, we had a lot of discussions over the weekend because uh, we were out and about with a bunch of our buddies too. So uh, yeah, it's really cool to, to hear the, the feedback and everybody's thoughts on it and, and things like that. So uh, yeah, great response and good to hear from everybody. And I'm glad it uh, seems like some people enjoyed that segment. Right on, man. And, uh, yeah, man, obviously we can talk about this because uh, since we did our last show, uh, if you guys listened, we dedicated that show uh, to a friend of ours who had passed away. And since then, we've actually been to a vigil and a viewing, um, which has been it's been really nice to see a lot of people. But at the same time, obviously, you wish it was under better circumstances. But, um, you know, it's a week that uh, that. It kind of sucked the, a lot of the stuff that happened, but at the same time, it's also nice to kind of get the week past us, I guess, is the best way to, to go about it. I don't know uh, what else really to say there, but, you know, uh, it's weird, man. Like, we talk on the show, and we talk all the time. Um, we don't get to see each other in person too often, um, but, man, yeah, this is a couple times in less than a week that I wish were under much better circumstances, man. It's classic funeral. It's, you know, you say it as kind of human conversation when you're there because uh, it's tough to find the words and a cliched thing that all of us people say to each other at these times where it's it's good to see you and you're catching up, but it always sucks under the circumstances. You, you wish it was better circumstances to get together and see each other because it is far and in between that we can all get together. Um, but, yeah, it was it was great to see a lot of faces that, honestly, I haven't seen – since we were young kids, a lot of them, and I can say we didn't miss a step and, and just a lot of hugs and a lot of memories. And as negative of a situation that you're getting brought there is a, a kind of positive celebration of life because that's how I look at it. That's when I go, that's how I would want people to see it is, is a celebration of my life, man. Like, don't be depressed. We all live and die. That's just a human fact. So it's like, man, death is final and you know, grief comes in waves and there's a lot of emotions and factors to it, but at the end of the day, it's final. So you got to kind of try to turn as much of a positive light on a bleak 
dark negative situation. And I think that's what we did. And, and it was good to congregate and, and talk to people and, and remember our friend, man. And he has a place in my heart, uh, just like the others uh, of those that have passed before him for me personally. And I'll never forget him. And, and I definitely have a special place in my heart that unfortunately is, is filling up uh, pretty early here in our, our lifetime. But uh, nonetheless, uh, that's the way life is. And you roll with the punches. And uh, yeah, it was it was good to see a lot of familiar faces that I haven't seen in years under the circumstances. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, with, with, uh, the untimely deaths of two of our friends, uh, basically, uh, you know, last year ended on a really bad note and this year starting on a really bad note. So hopefully it's just uh, smooth sailing from this point forward, man. And, uh, hopefully, uh, this gives people, you know, at least the, the motivation, to kind of see and hang out with people that maybe they haven't seen in a while or just to spend quality time with your loved ones, man, because, you know, you only get so many days on this earth and obviously you try it, you know, we all have good and bad shit that goes on in our lives, but obviously you want to try and celebrate, uh, people that mean something to you because, you know, in life really, uh, it's not much more than that. You know what I mean? Like not to be corny or nothing, but like, there's not a whole lot of good stuff in life that doesn't associate with, uh, you know, people you care about. I, I sure hope it turns for the better, man. You know, a lot, a lot of loss here early personally, uh, with mutual friends of ours going back to, uh, including a, another, uh, acquaintance and, and friend just growing up with, uh, that recently passed. There's been been four recent deaths of, of guys kind of in our Woodland Hills community family of, of school and growing up. And, and like you said, even uh, a few of them being close friends. Um, and then you even account Kobe in the whole helicopter tra- tragedy. And that's somebody that you don't know personally, but it's just such an American uh, tragedy overall. And, and then there's the coronavirus going around and you're like, what the fuck is going on right now, man, you know, from a you personal know, perspective, but it makes you think. So I was going to bring this up because, uh, the day of, of Jason's viewing, I took the day off work, but I still had a bunch of stuff I had to do. Um, and that was the day that they had the Kobe Memorial. Um, and I, man, it was really bizarre to be like running around and doing stuff throughout the day. Like I had errands to run and things and like I got home and it was on. So I was like, I had it on in the background and I was watching some of the parts. Like I, I thought Jordan, uh, was one of the ones that was like really amazing actually, uh, just being from the era that we're in you always kind of saw Michael Jordan in sports predicaments. You know what I mean? Like he would get interviewed after games and things like that. But since he retired, he hasn't been very public and very vocal. And it was kind of cool to see him in that kind of a moment. It was hilarious. I don't know if you noticed or not, but he said that uh, he told his wife at first that he wasn't going to do this. And uh, and he was like, but now he's like, after doing this, he's like, I'm obviously going to be see- seeing more of that crying meme for the next three or four right. years. Yeah, that was great. But like, that was really cool. It was like a nice moment. And I mean, it, but it was, but my point is, is it was really weird to have something like that on TV uh, during the day and stuff where I probably otherwise wouldn't have seen it if it was just a regular day or I wouldn't have seen much of it anyways. Uh, and then to obviously go to a viewing for somebody that, you know, you know, you've known for a long time passing away. I was just like kind of a weird day. I was like kind of out of it as much as that makes sense. Just with all this stuff going on kind of in the background, it was really weird. It was tough to watch. Just thinking about, like you said, just coinciding with personal things and, and 
like I mentioned earlier, this just being basically an American tragedy and, and not just Kobe, but everybody uh, that passed away in, in that terrible, tragic helicopter accident, uh, especially to such young lives lost of those young girls. And, uh, you know, I'm a father of a, of a daughter. So it's, it's, it's a rough, rough situation. But again, it, it was more or less a celebration of life, you know, with, with Shaq speaking. And of course, Vanessa Bryant, um, just a wonderful eulogy, everything that she's going through. I can, can only imagine, you know, again, we're going through it in, in different ways. And I always say life is a, a definite perspective thing. You know, it's all your own perspective on things. And uh, there's a lot of emotional things going on right now with the whole uh, eulogy that she did. I can only imagine what she was going through. And then Michael Jordan um, helping her off the stage was just a classic kind of moment in, you know, cause he considered Kobe a little brother that he has said numerous times in, in recent days. So, so yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things that is just like we were saying with our personal situation, this, this is kind of a thing that brings Americans as a whole together. And, and we kind of mourn together for somebody that, yeah, we might not have known them personally. And, and some people might even think it's kind of ridiculous to look at, at somebody that you don't know and, and kind of be that upset over it. Um, I don't agree with those people. I'm just kind of talking about the whole spectrum of it. But overall, I just think it's it, it's a kind of situation where we all come together just sh- as straight up human beings. And kind of it's the classic thing of putting differences to the side and, and just looking at how fragile life is as a whole. And it, it kind of brings us down to reality. And, and hopefully it makes you do something nice, even in your just normal day, whether it's holding the door open uh, for, for an older lady or, or gentleman and, and little things like that, that, that can add up. And that, that's how you kind of give back in this world, I personally believe. So it, just a lot of emotions yeah. to start off the pod here this week. But, yeah. Know. And uh, well, mo- moving along too, because uh Obviously, the the two events that I just named uh, for a friend that we we went to kind of bookended the weekend. Um, And one of the things we were talking about earlier off air, uh, just, you know, like some kind of stuff maybe you got to do over the weekend. We're going to talk about one of those things uh, later on in the show with the XFL. Uh, But one of the big things uh, in in the world of entertainment that was kind of like big news this weekend was on uh, Amazon. Uh, they premiered a show that's been getting a lot of buzz, especially since Super Bowl Sunday when they were, you know, first started running the ads for it. Uh, is the show Hunters? Uh, it's a show uh, produced by Jordan Peele and starring Al Pacino, uh, basically about a group of Nazi hunters in the 1970s, and uh, it's it's getting some controversy and stuff like that. But I, you know, me and you were talking about getting to watch it and everything. Obviously, we're not going to do a full fledged review here, uh, not quite yet, anyway. Uh, but still, uh, what, what did you think? I know you had a chance to watch the first episode. So like, you know, did you, did it live up to expectations for you? Is it something that you're looking forward to continue watching or is it disappointing? I definitely have the, just one episode watched perspective on it just with completing episode one over the weekend. And like you said, it's, it was a great segue to kind of say, you know, we all need these, these little mini escapes, you know, into entertainment and things like that and, and that's why we covered so much and have had such a love for this kind of stuff uh, since since we were kids and, and love talking about it and it was off to a good start man it was it was a really different show to me um jordan peele has emerged as a, a great modern creator uh from from a really groundbreaking sketch comedy series to of course um just unprecedented 
film work with with us in um, you know his feature film debut before that. So this this was get really out. yeah yeah get out brain farting as as usual that Jay does after jumping into the pod after ten hours straight days to throw in my excuses for being a brain dead idiot that I am sometimes. But yeah, it was, it was off to a good start. And that's why I was looking forward to it was with um, Jordan Peele's track record leading into it. And um, I was surprised by the way it did start with uh, the one character. He's a character actor. He's been in a lot of things um, and, and we don't want to give any spoilers, but it, it was definitely a shocking start. And it kind of is one of those things where you're just on the couch kind of, seeing where this show's going to go, seeing what it's about, and then you just instantly sit up. So I'll, I'll definitely take that with any show off the bat. It got me interested pretty much right away. Yeah, I uh, I ended up watching the the whole run over the course of the weekend. Um, I really liked it. I mean, I'll obviously give more detail later on if we decide to cover it on the show, but um, I definitely thought it lived up to expectation. Um, I, I saw it for what it was, uh, a fictional work uh, kind of based on, in truth, uh, with real events and stuff like that, but also mixing in fiction to it. But that seems to have, uh, angered, uh, some people as I read over the weekend, um, with some of the more fictional elements, uh, people seem to be upset about, but at the same time, I, I mean, if you watch the show, uh, you can tell they're not going for, you know, this isn't full truth and action here. This is there. It is for entertainment purposes. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was really good. I really liked Al Pacino in it. Uh, I was kind of surprised, uh, with his level of involvement too, because I, I just wasn't expecting that on that level. So, uh, but yeah, it was really cool. I'm glad I got to, uh, to check it out and everything. And I definitely, uh, recommend that everybody give it a chance if you, uh, have the opportunity to watch. We'll get, uh, we'll get me caught up and we'll definitely go over it. Um, cause even talking, before the pod uh, discussing going over it, I didn't realize you finished the whole the whole series. So I'll definitely work on getting caught up, and, and we'll break it down once we both watch the whole thing. But uh, like I said, from my perspective, just one episode in, I'm very interested to continue, and I definitely want to uh, complete season one. And it, it seems like it's going along the lines of Watchmen and Tarantino's takes with Inglorious Bastards and Once Upon a Time, with like you mentioned, using factual things in, in a fictional setting uh, you know it's a, a unique twist to, to the storytelling elements of it and and I think yeah. a, a lot of people that don't can't really grasp that and, and see the true points of it um, I could see why they think it might be controversial when on the other side where I'm sure you're on the same boat as me Ed, where you can see that they're just using some of the factual basis to tell their story you, you can't take it as like this is like some true, you know, social satire take on it kind of thing, you know, so I, I can see why it's controversial, but, but yeah, I, I look forward to watching the whole thing. We'll definitely have to break down the entire series. Yeah, man. I look forward to that. Obviously uh, we'll do that on the show in the coming weeks. And uh, also one other thing I wanted to mention, this is happening on the night that we record this podcast. So by the time you guys listen to this, this will be probably a little bit old news, but uh, big goings on in the NBA tonight uh, for the very first time, uh, we're going to see the Lakers and Pelicans uh, face off one-on-one in a game where Zion Williamson uh, is on the team. And that's huge news right now because he's been playing amazing. Um, and I know this is a game a lot of people are excited about. The NBA, I know, is excited about it because they're they're feeling that this is going to bring down major ratings. 
uh, and that is 10 p.m. Eastern time. So it's a little bit late for, you know, most people, but nonetheless, NBA fans are probably excited. And, uh, you know, I mean, hey, I'm down for it anytime. That's one of the big reasons why I love the NBA, because they have athletes like nobody else. And uh, regardless of what happens, I think it's going to be uh, at least a lot of fun to watch. I'm looking forward to it as a life lifetime basketball fan. And I kind of dip in and out of it with all these other interests and only so much time in the day, but there's times like this that it's, it's almost like a cheat code. It's like, I'm going to, I'm going to slip in there and watch this game, you know, cause that's, that's what happens, man. When, when the interest is brought to it, uh, as you mentioned, Zion's playing really well right now and going up against the man, LeBron um, comparisons to Jordan, of course. And, it just in his own right, just a, a legendary player playing currently in his prime, you know, now going up against the, you know, who could be his kind of replacement kind of thing. So yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a great matchup and there's only one time in history for the first time that these guys go at it. So got to check it out. Yeah. And it, it makes me interested, just uh, something to bring back about what we were talking about on last week's show, man. Uh, wouldn't be a bad time necessarily for Zion to whip out those uh, 34s that we were talking about, those Jordan 34s. Remember the Pelican-colored ones, the gold ones? Yeah. Were those the we're, Bio Boys? Like, uh, yep. Yep. Yeah, let's see if they, they could come into action. That'd be cool if you wore them for this matchup. Hey, man, I'm looking forward to it one way or another. But, you know, just figured we mention it. I know we don't talk a ton of NBA. We probably will talk a lot more about it come playoff time because I know that's a time that both of us seem to get into it. I mean, I love the NBA playoffs. I've always loved the NBA playoffs, and I think that this year they're going to be really, really good. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. And I always like that time of year too, man, because, like, when the NBA playoffs are are on – like, at least where we're at, because like we said before on the podcast, we're Pittsburghers, like the weather starts changing around here around the time and it starts getting really nice. And it's just, it's a cool time of the year. I always really enjoy that time of year. Yeah, it coincides with the NBA, or I'm sorry, the NHL as well. As well. So it's yep. that time of year in Pittsburgh. It's like, oh, it's, it's time for the, the NBA playoffs. And, and again, to say cheat code, because there's such long seasons and I have so many other interests and things like that. And I, uh, since a, it's a Pittsburgh team, I definitely always pay attention to the Penguins. I get to a, a game or two a year and things like that. But with, with such long seasons, um, when it really comes to playoff time, man, you start getting pumped. And, and uh, like you mentioned, Ed, the, the weather changes. And yeah, man, it just gives you that good feeling. And, and as we talked about with, with tragic things, it's, it's kind of those positive escapes that, that me and you have with our, our all our hobbies and interests that, you know, they, they get sparked with things like that. And uh, yeah, playoff time's always unreal. And, and we're basically heading there with uh, both the NBA and NHL where it's kind of three quarters of the way through the seasons, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see where um, everything gets developed with the playoff picture too in both leagues. Yeah, I totally agree there, man. So we'll have to see how that unfolds. I'm sure we'll be talking about it on some upcoming episodes of the show. Uh, Let's take a quick break, and we have some major stuff coming up for you guys here in the first segment when we come back, man. We're going to talk about a super, super hype uh, shoe collaboration. We're going to give our thoughts on Tyson versus Wilder too. We got tons of wrestling news, including a, uh, WWE superstar being suspended, uh, when edge could be returning. And also we're going to talk some new Japan cup 2020, include the matchups that are all listed up for the first round. So stay tuned guys. We'll be back right after this, right here on the podcast. See you soon. Right after this, like I said, 
Hey guys, this is Jared with the What's Real podcast. I'm here to talk about The Unsung Movie from Churchill Pictures. The Unsung is a brand new independent feature film from Churchill Pictures in association with Cut and Run Productions that is currently on the festival circuit and will be streaming and available on DVD and Blu-ray in 2020. You can check it out at www.theunsungmovie.com. In an old industrial town, a homeless man roams the streets looking for a place to rest. When a young girl is in danger, Eric runs to her aid and saves her from harm. She leads him to a homeless village where he is inspired by the friendships he makes there. Through newspapers and a radio, Eric learns about a series of murders taking place in town. Inspired by the comic books he reads, Eric creates an alter ego and attempts to get involved with the investigation. Hope lives in the shadows. Check out and follow the progress of the unsung movie through churchillpictures.com and theunsungmovie.com. And we're back here on the What's Real podcast as we are every week. And as we promised before we went to break, we said we had a lot of stuff for you guys. Uh, let's get started on this one. The J uh, kind of collaborates with what we were talking about last week on the podcast in the world of sneakers. But one of the people that has had a huge name over the last couple of years in the world of sneakers is a guy named Sean Watherspoon. Um, he runs a store, uh, well, several stores called Round Two, and uh, he had a collaboration that was massive with Nike, uh, where they did this Air Max 97.1, which is a collaboration of those two shoes uh, that he completely designed himself. He won the contest. They put the shoes out. The shoes go for tons of money. Uh, since then, he has done a collaboration with Asics uh, that isn't out yet, but that's coming soon. And there's word now of a collaboration now with Adidas, uh, kind of, you know, doing a collaboration with the two biggest shoe companies in Nike and Adidas. And obviously Asics is another one that uh, is big in some circles. It's not as big as those two, but nonetheless, uh, this dude is doing some major stuff. And I like what he does. I've seen his shoes. They're pretty cool. They're pretty hard to get your hands on. But obviously, uh, in the world of sneakers, this is absolutely massive news. You brought it up to me, man. So I just jumped right in, as we always do, and run things by each other. And, um, yeah, looking at this, this latest collaboration that he's going to have with Adidas, uh, looks, looks really interesting. Um, for my personal taste, he, he even said in the, the interview I was reading, um, he's taken a huge step forward in sustainability and a lot different than what you have seen from him in the past, as far as materials. Uh, cause he says he grew up playing soccer. It was actually his first love before skateboarding. And just for myself personally, I've, I've played numerous sports. Um, but the, as far as competitive sports goes, the most success I had was was in soccer as a left winger, uh, playing all the way through my senior year of high school and, and being pretty successful with it. And I would always wear Sambas and, and like the soccer Adidas back then, you know, before I kind of changed to Jordans and, and those type of things that we were talking about. So this kind of yeah. brings back like, you know, really old memories to me. Um, because he mentioned that, which he, he, he said he loved Sambas in the past and Models and Sport Authority. So it, it seems like this is where this kind of um, newest product with Adidas is going to kind of be modeled after. And um, I even read, uh, you know, almost like a breaking news kind of thing that there was a very recent update through Complex.com that he officially shared the first look at the Adidas collab. And it's dubbed Super Earth. And it's going to be with uh, recycled paper laces, a soccer liner that's made from recycled 
uh, ortholite material, cork insole, uh, insole with recycled composite padding, and a rubber sole made from 10% recycled waste. And for somebody like me that I'm not like this huge modern hippie advocate um, that, that does all these things, but I try to on my own right uh, in my daily life, I try to recycle, I try to look after the earth, you know, to, to those that I talk to and uh, younger kids and my own kids, obviously, first and foremost, how I'm raising them. Uh, I'm really big into, in, you know, just watching after this planet and doing what we can not to waste and things like that and to recycle. So for, for me, this is a, a really cool thing to see. And I, I love the title just to begin with super earth. Um, we will get into it. Uh, I'm sure in the future and, and, and on some flashback stories and things, and I won't get in, into it now, but Ed and I were in a little group called the super stallion. So these might be our, our <laughs> new uh, dual shoes. Hey, Ed with the super earths. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to these, man. I like what this dude does. I like the I like that every time he does something, there's like a general story behind it, as we talked about on the podcast last week. Uh, I love that part about just shoes in general. It's really cool. Uh, I'm all for what the, you know what they're doing uh, as far as sustainability goes, because anybody that knows anything about the way that the Earth works is we generally just destroy the living shit out of it. So anything that you could do uh, that is uh, in a positive manner in that regard, I wholeheartedly agree with. And I, anybody listening, please just attempt to do something small like that as much as you can. It's never a bad thing. Um, and you know, I, I know that, uh, that stuff is big, uh, as far as Sean Watherspoon goes. And I kind of like that. So like, if you can work with companies like that and you're going to be doing a project that is, you know, going to get so much attention, it's cool when you can kind of bring attention to something that's important to you. Uh, being the earth, uh, is one of those things. I'm not going to complain about that whatsoever. And I, I look forward to seeing what the finished product goes because, you know, I'm down with Adidas. I like what Adidas does. Um, I, I really like, you know, some of the newer stuff that they've been doing as well, uh, as far as, you know, the materials that they make their, their shoes out of. So, and that's just, uh, moving in another direction, uh, further, uh, that way with working with Sean. So I think that's definitely a cool thing. Even if they're remotely in my wheelhouse, uh, just to support that, um, you know, that was a good read and good to see. So yeah, definitely behind some, some super earths. I'm going to keep, keep track of their progress and, you know, as they develop, we'll definitely be bringing that up on the pod. And uh, moving on here, uh, we promised we'd be talking a little bit about uh, Fury versus Wilder too, um, in a fight that we both were just flat out wrong about um, on our predictions. A lot of last people week. were. <laughs> oh, well, that's true. Yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is not something that people saw coming, but uh, that happened. That was uh, for the, the heavyweight championship of the world. Uh, this is a rematch, of course, that happened last Saturday, and we saw Tyson Fury score a TKO win uh, over Deontay Wilder in that fight, um, and it was a pretty wild night to begin with uh, in a match that, uh, you know, it, it went seven rounds, but let's be honest, it uh, it was a lot less than that because this was a pretty dominating performance by Tyson Fury and in a, in a fight that, I mean, somebody brought this up that I was watching and I don't remember the, the exact numbers, but they calculated the amount of rounds uh, that these two have fought so far and who won those rounds. And let's just say that the wins for Tyson Fury were in double digits and the rounds that they had uh, Deontay Wilder in winning uh, was two. 
So uh, in two fights, it's been pretty lopsided to say the least, even though Deontay Wilder always has a shot because he, you know, he's a heavy hitter for sure. Uh, but I don't think, I think it's going to be a while before these two get in the ring again. And I think if they do, it's probably bad news for Deontay Wilder. Oh yeah. All due respect to Deontay Wilder. Uh, he, he said before, you know, one of his big quotes, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing uh, that, you know, these guys got to be, you know, speaking of his opponents, have to be perfect for 12 rounds. He just needs one second. And that's the truth because he is so heavy handed. And that's why I feel that a lot of people saw him as the overdog uh, in this fight, uh, especially with what we were kind of talking about the previous fight in, in last week's podcast uh, with the preview of this, where he got knocked out. And a lot of people thought that, or, you know, he knocked out um, Fury. And a lot of people thought that that was a long count. And that, that he did have the knockout, but nonetheless, that you know what happened happened. Fury did get up uh, in spectacular fashion. Uh, the count counted, obviously, and the rest is history, as they say. But yeah, complete dominating performance. Uh, for those of you that were betting that listened last week, if I was going to go to one of the local strip clubs to watch the fight, I went to Buffalo Wild Wings, so I was a good boy um, <laughs> with my wife. So um, it, it was a great fight to watch, you know, in that atmosphere, just the packed house at, at Wild Wings. You know, it's fun to watch with your friends. So we definitely enjoyed the fight. But again, it was just an, a dominating performance by Fury. Um, just an imposing guy, you know. A lot of there was a lot of rumors going into it that he had some ankle injuries because uh, you know I really researched this fight and was like really hyped for it. Uh, again, as we kind of brought up, and there was also the fact that he kept his shirt on during the weigh-ins. And Teddy Atlas even had said that the only time a fighter keeps his shirt on during weigh-ins is, is if he's fat and, and you know overweight for the fight. And I guess you know. His his weight at close to 280, you know, somewhere between 270 and 280. As usual on the pod, we just spew. We don't have too many facts in front of us, but nonetheless, he had his <laughs> shirt on, and, and I'm not sure what his exact weight was, but you know, people were speculating that he was overweight. And, and the bottom line is, he just he showed everybody, man. I mean, he's he's six foot nine. You know, they, they had a picture with, with uh, Wilder, or I'm sorry, with Fury and his family with The Rock, and he makes The Rock look small, which says a lot for The Rock being, you know, 6'5", 275 of, of pure The Rock. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking about a big dude, and, and on top of all that, he is very skilled. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, what more can you say? It was just a dominating performance. It definitely did surprise me. You know, I was thinking Wilder was coming for revenge. You know, I said last week that he, he wasn't going to leave that ring with a loss. And he even stated with his corner throwing in the towel, basically, that he wanted to be the warrior that he knows he is and go out on his shield. But I'm, I'm glad that the, the, the corner was looking out for him because we, we see too much of that nowadays with not only PTSD, but obviously more than anything CTE and just the damaging effects of brain injuries. And he was bleeding out of the ear, which in the aftermath, he found out that he just needed stitches and it wasn't anything, you know, internal to his brain or something extremely serious or life threatening. Thank God. But nonetheless, you don't know that at the time. And, and it's, it, the guy was undefeated. You know, you're going to fight another day, man. You know, most people lose at one point other than Mayweather, the, you know, everybody pretty much has lost in, in the fight game at this point. So fight another day. I'm glad the, uh, the corner did that. And just to let you take over, Hey Ed, um, you know, the last thing I wanted to say was something that came out afterwards as well that I was kind of disappointed in because I like Deontay Water a lot and it is what it is. Um, but he started blaming his outfit 
of all things on his loss. And, you know, he, he wore it to represent black history month. And it was this, this huge big thing. I mean, if, if you can look it up online, if you're not familiar and listening, it, it, it was, a you know, obviously a definitely cool outfit, but, um, supposedly it weighed something like 40 pounds. And he says, quote unquote, to Yahoo sports, uh, Deontay Wilder, he didn't hurt me at all. But the simple fact is my uniform was way too heavy for me. I didn't have no legs from the beginning of the fight in the third round. My legs were just shot all the way through. But I'm a warrior, and people know that I'm a warrior. So I, I, I was just surprised coming from how I felt about Deontay going into it that he would just have, have accepted uh, be, being dominated like that to start using pretty outlandish excuses. Yeah, I totally agree with you, everything you said. Uh, I was super disappointed to hear that. Uh, I mean, it, it, the bottom line is this. Uh, he got outboxed. And if he doesn't realize that, and if he's not going to work on his boxing, then this isn't going to be the last time that we're going to see another heavyweight pick his ass apart. So, you know, it's either learn how to box. I mean, I know you got the that that power punch. Like, that's his thing. And I get that. But, I mean, if you can't add to your game, uh, th- then you're going to lose. And that just is what it is. So, uh, you know. Like I said, if they fight again and they fight again soon, it's going to be really bad for him uh, because I don't see him improving his boxing in a short period of time. I definitely have some work to do there. Uh, if he wants to get back into form and if he wants to be the best heavyweight in the world, you know, he's going to have to prove it against some of these people. So good luck. Uh, you know, you got some you got some work to do and it sucks to kind of see him blaming it on his fucking costume. Uh, or just don't wear the costume at all. I mean, you know, the, the, at the that's end what of the I day, was thinking. Like, it's know. almost like a double-edged thing. Like, man, you're you're using this costume that you decided to wear as an excuse. Yeah, you know. So I think. And um, I hey, and I understand he might make, might be making like a cultural statement with it. I get that, but at the same time, there's other ways you could do it that don't involve you wearing this gigantic, heavy ass costume. Period. I think Fury Fury made the better choice, and he went with like the '80s wrestling entrance of being carried to the ring. So he went, yep. he was like <laughs> not winded at all. <laughs> exactly, uh, but yeah, man. I mean that that's pretty much the fight. Obviously, we'll have more news for you guys on the show as everything pertains to that in the future. Uh, but moving on a little bit here to the world of professional wrestling. Uh, as I said before we went to break, that a WWE superstar has been suspended 30 days via the wellness policy. That somebody is Samoa Joe, uh, which kind of surprising because he's been out of action and with injury apparently as a concussion. Uh, but yeah, 30 days uh, without Samoa Joe uh, shouldn't be that big of a deal because let's face it, Joe is always hurt. Uh, and I'm a fan of Samoa Joe, but I mean, you know, it is what it is. He's getting older, and, uh, you know, he's certainly on the decline, in my opinion. That's what I was going to say. You gotta, he has a hell of a lot of miles on him, man. I mean, we, we used to see him uh, in local Pittsburgh indies when he was part of ROH, and it was always great to see him live, um, you know, way back as an up-and-coming guy. And, and this is back you know, in, about, like, 2005. Though, I was just, that's what I was saying. Know? Like, think about how long ago that was. So it definitely a, a lot of miles on him, as, as a lot of wrestling fans and even wrestlers um, always mention the, the quote-unquote bump card and, and how many bumps and, and, and bruises you have in your career. So, you know, he's getting up there and, and – you know, plus uh, at this point, he's been in that, that WWE grind uh, for a while at, at this point, you know, even stemming from from debuting in NXT. So 
a lot of mileage on him, a lot of injuries. Um, I, I don't think – my assumption is going to be that it wasn't steroids that Samoa Joe was on. I don't uh, know. A, yeah, who knows? I mean, that was a bad Jarrett joke. But, yeah, you never know. I mean, steroids can just help you in general. But, but they, don't, they don't really speculate a lot on these things. They just say like a real blatant um, – press release of you know he's he broke the wellness policy he's suspended for 30 days you know that's basically it so anything else is pretty much speculation um it just sucks because he was kind of involved in the mix you know somewhat it's not like he was in you know consistently in the main event picture but he definitely had a prominent role on the main roster so you know this always throws a, a wrestler a, you know, a wwe wrestler in particular's career off a little bit but uh samoa joe's event has been a long around for so long i don't i don't foresee this derailing him too much you know he'll find a place but you know it, it does beg the question kind of how we bring up with with joe in particular in his career how how much longer uh he has left in the tank um you know especially on the wwe main roster as a consistent active performer yeah i mean i just think honestly that they're keeping him around at this point because they don't want him to go somewhere else uh, because I think Joe on a, a short schedule, maybe working in like AEW or something, would be a lot better than what we're seeing on a regular basis in the WWE with him. But, uh, you know, I, you can't blame them for that. I mean, they already have the guy under uh, contract, and he's been there for years. So, I mean, it makes more sense than not for them to essentially just keep him at this point. And with this story, we should bring up that he is actually the third – upper echelon WWE performer in three months to get a 30 day yeah. uh, wellness policy suspension with Bobby Roode and um, Andrade Andrade. So, you know, this it, it's, it's kind of crazy. Cause uh, you know, there's that pendulum always, man, and just finding that balance. And I, I think it's good to have this. I, I think this has cleaned up the pro wrestling industry as a whole. I mean, we go back to, you know, not, as always, not to get into the side tangent of the 80s deaths and, and all the health issues that so many wrestlers in the past have had. And, and nowadays, the, the younger talent is known to be just playing video games. And, and they're all, you know, they all pretty much have, you know, depending on the performer, but predominantly like pretty lean muscle and are, are you know, significantly healthy. And, you know, these but drug, there are drug some. policy keeps them off. Yeah, I mean, there's always exceptions to the rule, but uh, again, like my point is, overall, this cleans it yeah, up. Yeah, it's but nowhere near what it used to be. I, I wish they would kind of be more specific on uh, what these violations are, though, too, because it goes with you know USADA and the UFC, and, and that's known to be a very flawed thing that has screwed up the careers of, of guys. You know, prime example is Josh Barnett and, and, and everything that happened with him with USADA. You know, he was basically wrongly. Um, accused in a lot of ways and, and lost a lot of his career. And, and with this being professional wrestling, not a full-blown, full-contact professional sport, you know, I mean, Vince McMahon is the one that wanted to coin the phrase sports entertainment. You know, some of these seem pretty damn, you know, it's just on that fringe is what I want to say about it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, you know, but like I said, I don't think it's going to be a big deal for them to miss Samoa Joe for 30 days. Uh, it's just, you know, probably going to take him right up to WrestleMania. So it might even be better for him in the long run, especially if he's already out hurt. Uh, but one of the other things uh, that was finally mentioned is, uh, you know, Edge returned uh, back at the Royal Rumble. Uh, a lot of people were excited about that. I thought he looked pretty good, as we mentioned here on the show. 
but he's being advertised uh, to return on March 9th for Monday Night Raw, uh, which is like, you know, perfect timing, obviously, to build up to his match uh, against Randy Orton at WrestleMania. Uh, so that's good. Um, you know, about time they kind of get him on TV. It was kind of a weird time to have him return to the Rumble if then he was just going to be off TV for so long, in my opinion. But that's just me. I kind of like it. It, it just with, with that constant WWE grind, I always talk about, you know, now the buildups there. And so I think when, when he does come back, and especially if, if the storyline and, and booking is, is done right, whatever particular moment that he comes back is going to get a huge pop and huge reaction. So, you know, hopefully they do that correctly. And, um, you know, it all is going to lead to this, this big build to mania, which is right around the corner. So, so I don't mind it. You know, it's, you know, I, I definitely would, would love to see some of the, the dream matches, even on raw and things like that, that, that we can put edge, you know, under with guys he hasn't faced in, in that many years. Um, but I think they're just focused on the current storyline with Orton. Um, I, I do kind of like what they, they've been doing on Raw with Orton, where he's kind of just, you know, like saying how, how he's lost his mind again. And, you know, he's just putting every everybody out. And, and I didn't see the the crescendo of Raw yet. I just saw the opening with Kevin Owens. So I'm interesting to, interested to see what they do there this week. So I'll get to that. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, for, for me personally, I, I kind of like what they're doing. And, and I'm really into the buildup of, of Orton and Edge for Mania. Yeah, I was wondering if you saw this, because I, I didn't watch Raw at all. Uh, but one of the things I did manage to watch, and I was confused about this at first, uh, but they're doing this thing on the WWE Network, and I thought it was just like an hour-long thing, but it's not, uh, about the Ruthless Aggression era. And I looked yesterday, and there's three parts of it. And I had already watched the first. Uh, but the second part is all about Cena, and then apparently the third part is all about evolution, uh, like in that ruthless aggression era. But these look really good, man. Like I, out of the first two that I watched, I really thought they were solid. Uh, I said, I, I believe on the podcast here before that I thought the first one was a little bit of revisionist history, but I thought the Cena episode was great. Uh, I was really impressed with that one. Um, that's like the first time I've ever seen anything that's like kind of a career retrospective kind of thing on Cena, uh, which, I mean, I'm not saying there hasn't been stuff like that out in the past. I've just kind of avoided it. Uh, but it was kind of cool to do it because, you know, Cena has been removed for a while now. Uh, so I really enjoyed that, but I was just curious if you had seen any of these, if you even knew this was a thing. I'm all, I'm all up on it. And, um, I'm really looking to the third one. I've seen the the previews for the, the evolution episode. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think that the timing in wrestling, uh, again, not to rehash things constantly, but it is what it is with, with just the WWE grind, man, the constant programming. I mean, WWE, more than anything, is just this nonstop machine. That's why they describe it as that. And Cena was around for so long. You kind of, you know, even as a fan of his, like I, I've been a Cena fan. I've, I've had my moments where I wasn't, but, but predominantly I've been a Cena fan. But still, when you're just on week in and week out, I think that's the current problem of, of Roman Reigns, not to digress, you know. And yeah. to for him, like you had mentioned, to be off TV for um, this latest span and then for them to debut this, that's what I love about the WWE Network. We've talked about this before uh, personally. 
this has got me in the mood for Cena matches. So like when you, when you were yeah. talking about it setting up, I was just thinking about that. I was like, yeah, it's funny because watching that second part with the Cena stuff, I went back to like all his, um, you know, up and coming stuff when, when he was the thugonomic Cena or however you want to yep. put it and, and all that. So, so yeah, man, it's, it, it was great. I, I, any, any uh, friend of mine that, that I talked to on a, a consistent basis, that's, still a wrestling fan, which are definitely, as you know, far and in between, but I've, I've been, um, I, I've been uh, telling them about this, that they need to watch it. So, uh, yeah, definitely a really cool thing on the network right now. Uh, the WWE, I, I guess they consider it a docu-series on, um, Ruthless Aggression. Yeah. Maybe that's something we should do. Maybe talk about those next week on the show. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, the J, I'm do always that. down. Yeah, we'll, my, we'll let uh, you guys know at the end of the show, uh, obviously, what's coming up. But uh, that's a very strong possibility, I think, uh, especially since you're already watching them. You know what I mean? I didn't realize you were watching those. But, yeah, they're definitely – I've been very impressed. I look forward to looking uh, watching the third one myself. Uh, but also, moving along here, because there's some stuff here, uh, the New Japan Cup 2020 has been announced, and uh, all the first-round matches have been announced as well. Uh, this all starts on March 4th, but uh, the first four matches on March 4th are Jeff Cobb, who has just debuted recently with AEW, is taking on Togi Makabe. We also have Tomohiro Ishii uh, versus Toa Hanare. We have Toru Yano versus Chase Owens, who I actually forgot was still there. And I didn't know this, but Colt Cabana is going to be back, and he's going to be facing Bad Luck Fale uh, on that Yeah, I was surprised day. by that. Yeah, I yeah, didn't realize. I, knew, I mean, I knew that he did stuff in New Japan, but I didn't realize he was doing stuff like this. Um, also, March 7th has been announced as Okada versus Jay White, in which is obviously a huge matchup uh, for New Japan. Uh, Yuji Nagata versus Minoru Suzuki in kind of a throwback match. Juice Robinson versus Alex Coughlin, who I'm not familiar with at all. Uh, David Finley versus Tonga Loa, obviously from Bullet Club. Uh, March 8th has Tanahashi versus Taichi. We have Obushi versus Zack Saber Jr. Mikey Nichols versus Sonata and Osprey versus Shingo Takagi. And March 9th, we have Hiroyoshi Tenzon, which is crazy to still see that he's wrestling there, versus yeah, wow. Yoshihashi. And we have Kenta versus Carl Fredericks. Satoshi Kojima versus Evil, who just got married recently to uh, Kairi Sane, which I saw recently. Uh, which yeah, I congratulations to the happy couple. Yeah, the, the evil. The, the <laughs> evil. To, that's right. And, like, uh, honey, what's your new husband's name? Evil. Evil. Uh, and obviously, in the last matchup is Goto versus Takahashi. Some solid matchups in there, but man, there's some surprising names, just some older names and people I wasn't expecting to see. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I have no idea who's going to win this out of the people that we've seen named because there's so many people there. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, Tanahashi would win or Okada would win. Uh, but still, you know, decent matchups nonetheless. I had the, uh, the New Japan World, which is the um, J- Japanese equivalent to the, the WWE Network for New Japan. And I, I did one of those things where I got it to watch Wrestle Kingdom. And then I, you know, had it for for months. Um, frankly, not remembering to unsubscribe, not because I didn't like it or wanted to get rid of it necessarily, just because as we talk about incessantly, like I just don't have the time for all this. But this type of thing has me eyeing up, you know, for because it's one of those things. It's ten dollars a month, and you can 
uh, unsubscribe when you're when you're done, which is one of the cool things with all these subscription services. Um, it's not like back in the day where you just get tied up into a contract or, or some bullshit. You know, you just can pop on for a month and pop off for a month and, and vice versa in as much as you want. So um, with bringing this up, honestly, like this, this has me interested because I just always love tournaments. Yep. Going back to, you know, even King of the Ring and, and, and the the early days of tape trading and finding out about New Japan. And, um, they were like the, the kings, pun intended, if you will, of, of tournaments. So um, just going over it and us bringing it up for the pod, man, may, makes me pretty interested in, in possibly uh, renewing that subscription. So we'll, we'll see and I'll keep everybody posted on that. But uh, definitely a cool looking tournament for sure. Well, and it's as good a time as any, I think, to subscribe to New Japan because they're not really on TV in America anymore, uh, especially after uh, they got booted from Access uh, due to Impact, uh, which is pretty shitty, uh, nonetheless. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of reasons to watch New Japan. You know, they're still going to have matches with Moxley there. Uh, I still think he's the U.S. champion. Uh but I could be wrong about that. Don't forgive me. Uh, but nonetheless, I know he's still wrestling there. Um, so, you know, big things for New Japan. And I also saw that they're uh, they're going to be coming back to America uh, to do Madison Square Garden, this time with no Ring of Honor. So that's pretty interesting, too, because I thought that uh, New Japan kind of drew that first card. And uh, because of certain things going on at the time, uh, a lot of New Japan's guys couldn't get in. So they had to change the whole card up and everything. But, you know, nonetheless, uh, it's still big stuff in America for New Japan. Hopefully they could find their way on another network really soon uh, because I think that's very helpful to the company regardless. Definitely, yeah. They were really uh, giving a push there to penetrate the American audience. and Like the, the good old Jay always says, man, business and money fucks up the art and the fun of everything. But, yeah, it's, it's the way it is. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, with that being said, let's uh, take a break and have you guys listen to some commercials. <laughs> yeah, our commercials are fun, I, I feel. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we'll be back right after this uh, with a movie review, as we promised uh, the movie Good Time. We're going to talk a little bit about, well, not a little bit, we're going to talk in detail about that when we come back right after this on the What's Real podcast. Hey guys, this is Jared Bajoris from the What's Real podcast. Tonight, I'm here to talk about Churchill Pictures' first original feature film, Deference. Set in a time when the underground criminal circuit was prominent throughout the blue-collar neighborhoods of Pittsburgh, Deference focuses on two young men attempting to break out of their predetermined fates. Deference won the Silver Ace Award at the 2012 Las Vegas Film Festival, and I'm here to tell you how you can see this independent award-winning film. Go to www.churchillpictures.com. There's a tab called Featured. Under this tab, you can find Deference. Click on Deference, and the film is available here for streaming, to rent, or own. That's Deference at www.churchillpictures.com. And we're back here on the What's Real podcast. It is movie review time, which is kind of funny uh, that uh, it took this long, this many episodes, for us to actually review a movie. It shows our spectrum of interest, man. There's a lot of stuff to go through in this wild world. So hopefully we give a lot of those listening some inspiration to delve into some areas that they're not too familiar with, um, you know, with the spectrum of stuff that we cover with all our hobbies and interests. You know, I think we cover a, a lot of ground and hopefully you're just into our banter and maybe find something that, 
that interests you on top of it. But for us to be two cinephiles, to your point, Hayad, and to, you know, haven't talked ridiculously, you know, we've had our segments you know, covering the Oscars and we've had some reviews, but, but yeah, yeah, we're, this is a full down, hey, and the Jay breakdown of a, of a solid movie here. So let's do it. Yeah. Uh, this is the movie. It is called Good Time. Uh, it is directed by Josh and Benny Safty. Uh, as I mentioned last week on the podcast, the reason why this is of significance is because these are the directors of the critically acclaimed uh, Uncut Gems, starring Adam Sandler. Uh, but this is a movie that came before it. It's from 2017. Uh, and here, here's the general gist. After a botched bank robbery lands his younger brother in prison, Connie embarks on a twisted odyssey through New York City's underworld to get his brother Nick out of jail. Uh, that's putting it very mildly. Obviously, <laughs> I, I don't know how you feel about this. What do you, do you, do you, are you the type that prefers to just say, hey, if you haven't watched the movie, you're not going to want to listen to this review because there's spoilers, or would you prefer to not spoil things for people and still we're, give we're... them a, a general review? We're, we're usually on the same brain length, man. It's funny that, that you said that because that, that's, that's how I was going to open my commentary with. It's like the whole ching, 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 ching. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, no, I, I feel like, man, you know, especially from a, a movie from 2017, uh, you know, we, we need to break it down and, and just uh, talk about how it made us feel. You know, I'm not just going to sit there and say, you know, and this isn't the case for this. This is just Jared's mind side tangent but like you know jimmy killed mitch you know and like off the bat or whatever you know <laughs> the main goddamn spoiler but like if, if you're spoiled by some things we talk about you know i, I figure you're just getting this warning now um but yeah I, i'm with you on the the fact that i just kind of want to break it down on on how the film made me feel um in my my overall thoughts on it you know so okay. that's kind of the way i'm looking at it Okay, first up, uh, I already seen... Now, this is something I don't know about you. I, oddly enough, we didn't talk about this. Have you seen Uncut Gems? No, we, we did briefly. Yeah, I, I haven't yet. And I okay. know you did. Okay, okay. So the first thing I was going to bring up about this is uh, it has a very similar cinematic look. Uh, it looks very similar, like the same type of editing, the same type of shots, uh, so these the the Safdie brothers clearly are directors that are trying to have some sense of of cinematic style. I guess is the yeah. Best they have a distinct them. cinematic filmmaking style for sure. Um, but I uh, we mentioned this too uh, in in previous conversations. I don't remember if we mentioned it on the podcast, but you said that you were starting to become a big fan of Robert Pattinson, or you were a big fan of Robert Pattinson. Uh, me, well, not so much. I, I, I you know me, hey, and I love. I, sorry to run over you, but you know how, how much I love the Twilight films. Oh, yeah. You love the which, sparkly vampires. For those that don't know me, I'm being very sarcastic. Yes. Um, I, I did watch them, but um, that's just because I'm a, a cinephile goof and they were the fat at the time. and They were what they were, but definitely not my cup of tea, just to be nice about it. So I made a lot of fun about Robert Pattinson. And, and that's the thing. And I, I – Compare him to, for for myself as a as a film goer to um, every every Potter. Um, I'm doing my usual brain fart. <laughs> I'm doing my usual brain farting, and I'm I'm trying to kill myself sometimes. <laughs> oh man, I'm dying. What, what the right hell now. is Harry Potter? Yeah, what, what the hell is Harry Potter's goddamn name? 
Brad Pitt. I'm so sorry, Daniel, because you know we're on a <laughs> we're on a name basis, so he's gonna bust my balls about this, not knowing his fucking name. <laughs> but uh-huh. yeah, Daniel Radcliffe. And after after the whole Harry Potter thing, and it's it's I bring it up because it's similar to what Pattinson did. They they took you know this this once in a million you know multi million dollar role, which they got paid million for millions for, but they were legit thespians, man. They're like legit actors, and they want to do some fucking shit. So they they said, hey man, now I can make my choices. I'm going to do indie films. I'm going to do whatever's interesting to me. I'm not going to just do some. You know, which ironically, Robert Pattinson's Batman also, <laughs> as I talk out loud. But nonetheless, um, as usual, the Jay digresses. Uh, to your initial point, uh, there was there was a few movies that Pattinson was in coming up. But this this is what started. Uh, I caught this right away in 2017. It popped up on because I have a million channels, and it popped up on an on demand uh, a little bit after its release, and I just blind watched it out of nowhere after hearing nothing about it. And I've been telling everybody ever since, and I know I've been telling you for years, you know, because uh, Damien, uh, our good friend that, that, that does the films with us, like I, I tell him about everything film related, and I've I've beat his ear ear about it. You know, anybody that will let me tell them about trying to watch Good Time. So um, th- that's another reason we wanted to cover it, because I'm glad that, that you finally got a chance to watch it. And um, One of the main reasons is we should tell everybody listening, it is on Netflix. So uh, yeah. if you want, uh, pause our shit, go watch it and come back to, to this uh, take on it and, and our perceptions of it. But uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of the whole rundown on um, going into watching it was that, that I stumbled upon it and, and really thoroughly enjoyed it. And now that it popped on Netflix, a lot of people are getting to see it, uh, along with the um, the buzz that they garnered from Uncut Gems. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's a it's a cool flick. Um, uh, you know, the one thing that uh, that was interesting for me is that uh, basically in this movie, to give you well, first off, uh, very much like Uncut Gems. Uh, and this seems to be, I don't know if this is something that we're going to continue to see from them or not, but in their fir- at least in these two movies, uh, this is the tone. Uh, the movie is just like hyper, like it's anxiety the whole time. The running time in this movie is 101 minutes and no joke, I'd say about like 99 of them are just filled with constant anxiety. Like stuff's happening. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a lot of quick movement and stuff like that, which I really like about them. Um, I was thoroughly entertained by the fact that Robert Pattinson's character in this movie is an utter piece of shit. (laughs) No matter what you're talking about, he is a piece of shit. Diamond earring starts it. Echo sweatshirt hoodie. But yeah, I mean... Just a terrible terrible human being to say the least i mean which is and i'm not somebody that needs a hero and everything either i just like the premise of the movie and what they're doing here uh and and now they and i kind of like this this might be a little bit of a spoiler so sorry uh but ching 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 as far as his brother goes they don't make it clear if there is something wrong with him or if it's just Robert Pattinson's character bullshitting everybody about something being wrong with him. Uh, But I find that very interesting. I think that's kind of like a unique play on the story itself. It's not the the full storyline, but I mean, you know, it's something. 
that's the only thing that gives any semblance of positivity towards his character is the fact that he seems to deeply care about his brother, although what he puts his brother through inadvertently because of the way he is um, gives you the other side of that. So it's kind of – it definitely is all kind of like – over the place, you know, um, or I should all over the place. And to your point, man, Pattinson's character. Yeah. It's just such a scumbag. Like, again, I'm, I'm going to talk about spoilers just because I, I, I want to talk about specific things that, that gave me emotion during my viewing. And I, I've watched the film three times and, and in preparation of this, watched it over the weekend when they established that the, the one girl involved, you know, so it's not too big of a spoiler. I'm not, like I said, I'm not going to give you the whole specifics of it, but there's a young girl involved at one point in the whole ploy of what's going on. And this, it, you know, it's like to Ed's point of, of how it's just crazy this whole time, it, it goes over one night. It's one of those movies where all these events happen. Um, you know, there's some stuff established at the beginning, but then the, the, the main movie takes place over one crazy night in this frenetic this frenetic night of him trying to get you know somebody back and, and that sort of thing um, but to my point they established this that this girl is underage she's 16 and Pattinson's, Pattinson's character is you know basically in his 20s and he gets romantic with her and just from that like was kind of a surprising thing like I remember first seeing it and I was like whoa and of course because he's a piece of shit he's, he's not even doing it in a romantic way, he's doing it to help himself to, to divert her attention and that sort of thing. But I was even pretty surprised at that. Yeah, no, I same reaction that uh, my girlfriend essentially had to it. <laughs> yeah, uh, she probably looked at you like, "What do you have me watch?" <laughs> oh no, she's trust me, she's on board. She yeah, she's she well versed. Sean is yeah, definitely well versed. She's seen a ton of shit, especially through my collection of weirdo movies and everything, that, <laughs> yeah. uh, or like punches to the gut to say the least. But yeah, that's like the first major sign in the movie as far as the storyline goes that like something's super off here. Like, cause at first they're, they're leading you down this path where you kind of are trying to figure out what's happening. And like, you don't really know if it's like a two brothers down on their luck, like kind of doing, you know, committing crimes and shit to, you know, survive. Or if it's just like this grifter asshole will just essentially use anyone that he comes in contact with, uh, while trying to help his brother, but while also using his brother in a whole myriad of ways that are fucked up in and of itself. I have two more bullet points that I wanted to bring up, uh, before we go home on this review. Uh, the first of which is the soundtrack. Very, okay. very cool. Like they, they went for like the retro thing. Um, I think that plays a big part, the tone of the film, um, you know, how the scenes play out and different things. It's almost like, um, what would you call that? Like synth synthesizer? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know the specific name for it, but yeah, I think that's a fair assessment of what that is. And I was kind of, I think it felt like they were going with kind of an eighties, uh, throwback kind of feel towards that, you know, maybe an, an homage towards kind of eighties films with the, the soundtrack. I mean, I could be wrong again. I'm just giving you, uh, you know, my perception on, on the art. And uh, the other bullet point was, um, and again, without it in front of me, let me see if I could pull it up in time, was um, the one character, because uh, off the bat, I don't know if you recognized um, the security guard from 
the amusement park that they end up with towards the end of the film was Barkata Abdi that got famous through Tom Hanks in um, the, the the movie where they, they take over the, the boat. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. You know, because he was like straight – like they just picked him out of like the island, you know, and he became mm-hmm. an actor. So like I, I like remember picking him out. Um, Obviously, Jennifer Jason Lee is in it. Jennifer Jason Lee. I wanted to bring her up. She makes and, an appearance in it. And one that um, I th- necro I, necro that's the one that I got a kick out of. I don't. There's probably not many people listening to this that would even know who this is. Maybe some, well, I know some people will, but there's a, ra- a rapper named Necro who a lot of us have been fans of for a really long time at this point. But it, it was surprising to see. I had no idea he was in this movie at all, uh, which is crazy because I actually listen to some of his music and shit, and I still follow it to this day uh, when he comes out. I always like Necro. But yeah, yeah, that that was really funny for me uh, to see him in this, basically playing some dude's buddy. Which is, it's all this big giant misunderstanding involved in the plot of this movie, which is great. Uh, I actually really liked that. I thought that was a cool kind of way of just adding tension and bullshit in the middle of what's going on with the characters. And, and that's who I was referencing was the, the Ray character, who. You know, again, not to spoil too much, but he's—it's a misunderstanding. He has this crazy, goofy night, all on drugs, like the very night that he gets released from prison, and yep. lands on his face in this accident. So the whole movie, he looks like um, goddamn De Niro from the <laughs> end of Mitch, Mitch Blood Green from when Mitch, yeah. from when Mike Tyson so like beat half him his to face death. is destroyed, and he's just a hilarious character. And him, him and Patton's is. You know Pattinson's relationship, and just their interactions. Are <laughs> Get just, it, dude. I had it to just makes it, man. Because it's specifically yeah. a part that happens in the movie, and this is this is no spoiler. It's just a scene. But that scene where they're trying to get over that fence, and he's all fucked up. It's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's great. And then and then when he like falls, and he's like, oh fuck, man, god damn it. You know? Yeah, yeah. Pattinson's uh, that's character really is just all annoying. So, uh, but yeah, for on my end, just to take it home. You know, hopefully you could tell from our candid re- reviews of films. I just try to give you uh, my heart and soul of how I feel about movies because I, I just am obsessed with, with films. And, and this one, um, like I mentioned, man, it, it, it got me just being a, a blind watch. You know, I sat up. It's this frenetic feel. Uh, like I mentioned, the tagline should be, you will sweat. Um, it's, it, it's just a great movie. If, if you haven't checked it out and you have Netflix, uh, I highly recommend Good Time. Well, here's something that I'm just going to spring on you live as we record this. Uh, Because years ago, we did some movie reviews, obviously. They were written. uh, And we used to always do the... The, the old four stars kind of thing, but like most people seem to do five stars, so I figured we could just do it that way. Yeah, uh, yeah, we talked about that. Yeah. How, how many stars out of five would you give the movie? I'd probably give this one four. I probably yeah, would. That's exactly My personal what I was attachment say. to it. Yep, four yeah. out of five for me, 100%. Uh, definitely agree. It pretty much sound like we're in total agreement on this one, which is funny because. Uh, there was no plan to do this. Like I just mentioned to Jared that I watched this and I really enjoyed it. And you were like, you know, like, Oh fuck. Like I've liked, this I've been chomping at the bit yeah. to talk about this. <laughs> so, yeah. So like, it's really cool that we ended up doing it. And, and then we have basically the same opinion of it too, which is pretty funny. But, uh, but oh, yeah, well, I definitely well, for what it's worth it. the, uh, 
the Rotten Tomatoes uh, tomato meter was 91% on this, and even the audience score was 81%, which is always lower. But those are two huge high scores. And, and in comparison, uh, their follow-up to this, uh, the pre-forementioned Uncut Gems, is at a 92%. So uh, you're talking about some some huge up-and-coming directors with the Safdie brothers with a 91% film followed by a 92% film. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, definitely check that out. As the Jay mentioned, that is on Netflix right now. So if you guys have Netflix, you can watch it immediately after listening to this, if you so choose. But uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to talk Week 3 XFL football. Uh, You know, that seems to be uh, something that we've uh, enjoyed talking about on here. Plus, we have some NFL news and much more. Uh, So stay tuned. We'll be back right after this on the What's Real podcast. Phoenix Granite Fabrication Incorporated, 50 Oak Road, Gibsonia, PA, 15044. Phone number 724 252-8995. At Phoenix, our goal is your happiness. It's as simple as that. We believe everyone should have the kitchen or bath they've always wanted. You've waited for what seems like a lifetime and have carefully planned it. It can be stressful making sure everything is just right. With that in mind, we will work with you to find the color and materials that work for you, functionality and aesthetically. We believe that you should understand how engineered stone and natural stones perform. We want you to have the beauty that lasts and lasts. It's what you deserve. We take pride in what we do, and there is nothing more rewarding than knowing what we create for you is lasting happiness. Give us a call, send us an email, or stop in to chat. We'll help you transform your kitchen or bath into a thing of beauty. That's Phoenix Granite Fabrication, 50 Oak Road, Gibsonia, PA, 15044. Phone number 724-252-8995. Again, that is 724-252-8995. And we're back. And as I mentioned before we went to break, we were going to come back and talk some Week 3 XFL and that's exactly what we're going to do. Um, this was an interesting week uh, in more ways than one, uh, I think. Um, I don't know how much you had a chance to watch over the weekend. I did. Uh, this was probably one of the lesser weeks that I watched, uh, even though I did watch. Um, I did catch a little bit of every game. Um, but, man, I got to say, uh, as somebody who was uh, really high on the first two weeks, um, I was really kind of bored and disappointed with a lot of the stuff that I saw this weekend, man. How about you? That's what I've been doing. It's it's honestly, again, as we always say, like completely transparent on the podcast here. Um, you know, we're, we're interested in it as sports fans and, and even um, wrestling fans with the Vince McMahon tie-in and the, the previous incarnation. So that's what kind of drew us in. And it was fun following it. Uh, as we've been discussing, man, we, we were pretty positive the first two weeks. Um, I, I've been putting it on in on the background of doing some stuff around the house. Like I, I haven't focused on it, which I've fully admitted and things like that. And uh, like you were saying, Ed, like this week, I paid attention as much as I could. I had it on in the background. But it, it was definitely a kind of lesser week just like that. And I feel like that's like overall America – ratings keep dipping um but you know overall they're saying the viewership is still pretty high so you know i don't ha- know how they calculate all this and and like we said any alternative to anything's a good thing so even if i don't get sucked in as a fan 
Um, if this keeps growing and turns into something, I'm all for it. Uh, but uh, just, yeah, overall in week three, um, kind of was in and out of it. Uh, just to, to do my best to cover it on the pod here and talk about it a bit. I, I did, as I do, watch the highlights, you know, read up on it and things like that. But my, my you know, interest in it is definitely dwindling by the week, which I don't know if that correlates with the, the rest of America or not. Like I said, it, um, you know, it's saying that the ratings are slightly dipping, but viewership is still high. So, so we'll see. Yeah, and I mean, I, here, here's the gist of it for me anyways. Uh, again, four games this past weekend. Uh, basically, two of the games were terrible. Uh, one was an utter blowout. One was a pretty big blowout. Uh, one game was really good, and another game was close but boring. Um, and the thing is, the really good game was the Houston Roughnecks and the Tampa Bay Vipers. The, Vipers. Uh, yeah. the Roughnecks would go on to win the game 34-27. to uh, that was the best game of the weekend, I thought, um, in a game that basically the Roughnecks probably should have won easier, but the Vipers gave them a much bigger fight than many people expected. Uh, and probably the best game that the Vipers have played all season that I've seen, uh, and they still ended up losing. Uh, but that was definitely the best game of the weekend. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, from what I saw, for sure. And um, with with only three other games going on, and, and as you mentioned, um, they were uh, a 24 to 12 Dallas over Seattle win in uh, 29-9 and 39-9 victories. Um, the victors being St. Louis and Los Angeles. Yeah, that was definitely the only game that was even really close. And the two things that I would say, and I, maybe you disagree with me, I, I don't know here, but the uh, second biggest story of the entire weekend to me was the crowd in St. Louis. Uh, which saw their Battle Hawks go on to beat the New York Guardians 29-9. And the thing is, there's like two stories in one here, because the crowd here was awesome. It was actually impressive. And uh, obviously the New York Guardians, which came into the season as a big favorite, uh, are really kind of shit in the bed and are one of the worst teams. And I think that's pretty evident right now. Uh, And we're just going to see their further descent as the season goes on. Uh, but and obviously the biggest story of the weekend, in my opinion, was the uh, aforementioned uh, in previous episodes of the show, the DC Defenders. As I mentioned, that was the team I've kind of adopted as my team. Uh, but they got their asses kicked this weekend by the Wildcats uh, in a game I don't think, you know, I, I thought that was going to be the best game of the weekend, and it definitely was far from that. Los Angeles ran rough shot, man, 39-9. Uh, when, when we brought up the um, the St. Louis New York game, I did want to mention because that's that's one big highlight that I was lucky to, to catch live, and I was like I was actually going nuts and, and was going to text you, and as always, get distracted super easily. But there was a, a kickoff, and I, I think we talked about it in the past. Just a quick refresher for those that haven't listened or listened to this: uh, the XFL kickoffs are a lot different than the NFLs. The the kicker kicks off the ball. And nobody can move until the kickoff returner touches the ball. Then everybody on the field, you know, goes to to um, doing what what their position calls, whether they're blocking or uh, pursuing. And this week, the the Battlehawks act, actually did kind of a trick play on a on a. I don't know if you saw this. Yeah, it was like the kickoff, reverse. And they did a reverse, and he he ran it back for a touchdown. So which you know, was the, the first one in XFL cool history, aspect. too. Yeah. 
So the kickoffs are a cool aspect, and there's there's certain things that are growing this. And, and again, man, we've we've talked about it, mentioned it. None of this is going to happen overnight. And I mean, it already had a previous incarnation. And, and we went over this not only just the XFL, but all the way back to the '80s on alternatives to the NFL that, that never panned out. So I think this is going to be a long grind. I, I believe that it just has to take time for them to establish that they can stay alive. And this is one of those things. It's almost like a restaurant. Like you know how they say restaurants. Like if your business, small business, doesn't close in three years or something like that, then yep. it's considered successful. You know, I, I think this is the same thing. It goes. You know, it's it's a business. It's, it correlates. And and I think that's the same thing. If this can stay alive for for a few seasons, even if it's like by a thread, then I think it has a chance. So I think that's our interest in it. Ed, it's it's just interesting to see where this goes more than anything, but um, talking specifically on week three, personally, myself, my own opinion, I, I'm definitely dwindling. You know, I'm still throwing it on for something to have on in the background, but, you know, it, my, it doesn't have my attention. Let's let's put it at that. Yeah, it's, it's garnered my attention over the first two weeks. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention, too, was uh, P.J. Walker, uh, the quarterback uh, for Houston, uh, was the second quarterback in NFL or in XFL history to throw for more than 300 passing yards in a game. He also threw for three touchdowns, all to wide receiver Cam Phillips. Uh, that was probably like the performance of the weekend. Uh, but yeah, man, uh, my interest is definitely waning uh, in the product overall. Uh, just you know, I just hope that it was maybe a bad week, and maybe this week they kind of get me back, uh, and you know, it's kind of back to it again. But it was pretty disappointing overall. Uh, like I said, the games just weren't very entertaining uh, outside of a few things here and there that happened that I thought were kind of cool. Uh, it just didn't really pack the punch the previous first two weeks. And even though the ratings aren't great, uh, they're apparently holding. So it's like they, they do seem to have some sort of a fan base uh, garnering. I don't know if that's going to hold up or not, especially because, as we mentioned earlier, uh, the NBA and NHL playoffs are right around the corner. Uh, They still have a lot of football to play and a lot of time to go. Uh, And, you know, it it would be a shame if they didn't get to finish it up uh, because, you know, obviously if you're investing time in this, you want to see an end result. Uh, But, you know, there's no, no, uh, you know, indication uh, that, uh, that, you know, anything's going out of business. I do know for a fact uh, that the um, personal live attendance is still pretty strong. Uh, I know that in Seattle they have a nice following, and there's been a few games there uh, in the past couple weeks, so that's that's obviously looked pretty good. And I know that St. Louis got pretty good numbers for the Battlehawks game. Uh, so maybe those, those certain cities that uh, don't have NFL franchises, maybe there's a little bit of a hunger for football like there is in Seattle, uh, even though they do have an NFL team. Uh, you know, they can kind of hold that you know, torch if they, if need be for some of the cities during their down weeks and things like that. So, uh, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, cause I don't, I don't want to see the league just end, you know what I mean? Uh, it seems to be having some fair growing pains, but still in three weeks, I don't think that they've done a bad job in the way that they're presenting football. I mean, one bad week out of three is not that bad and we're going into a fourth week and it's, you know, now teams are starting to get established and things like that. So there still is a lot of time and possibilities for the league, uh, to kind of garner national attention, uh, you know, due to things happening on the football field. You nailed it. That's the test. There's seven seven more weeks of the regular 
XFL season, and there's going to be a lot more competition because that's even with the NFL and all, all any top tier thing nowadays. Uh, you know, we, we go back to it where with the the modern age, man, and just the digital age, there's just so many options and so many things taking away people's attention constantly. And then when you get into the the higher up stuff, uh, that's what we're talking about in sports. You're talking about higher up stuff when you're talking about the NBA and NHL playoffs, um, you know, breathing down your neck. So uh, it's going to definitely be an interesting seven weeks, but um, you know, we'll, we'll be here checking it out. As, as uh, I hope everybody that follows us here on the pod knows, uh, Ed and I talk about what's at interest and what's hot and interesting to us. And if, if our interest in the XFL dies, and especially overall dies, you're going to hear us talk about it uh, a lot less, if, if at all. Uh, but to Ed's point, um, I, I'd, I'd like to see a, a football alternative be there and grow. So uh, I'm pulling for it. So, you know, again, it's going to be interesting to see, but we're here every week. So we'll, we'll track it week to week and see how it grows. That's right, the J. And uh, we have a couple more notes on the NFL in a whole, uh, or, you know, as a whole. But uh, there's been a lot of controversy going on in the past few weeks uh, over uh, the person that they assume is going to be picked first overall, uh, former LSU quarterback Joe Burrow, uh, playing for the Bengals. Uh, We mentioned that last week on the show, and there's been some more stuff. I guess he came out today and essentially just said that, you know, he's going to play wherever he's drafted. Um, He hasn't really given any indication that he's going to tell Cincinnati that he doesn't want to play there, but that seems to be the narrative that you're hearing a lot, at least in in sports media. We can only wait and see. There's there's a lot of rumor and innuendo, if you will. I I felt like the the, the funniest thing about um, the the latest Joe Burrow's news is I don't know if you've even heard about this because again it's something we're we're just kind of bringing up on the. The broadcast. I wonder the, if it's going to be his hand measurements. Yeah, the, he has the <laughs> smallest hands of. Any, I forget exactly what it is of any quarterback prospect or anything. In how long? Oh, oh shit! Fucking, they said decades. So That's you know, and, and he he was very sarcastic about it, um, which means you know me, I got to be sarcastic about it because it's saying Burrow's hands were measured at nine inches, and I was telling my wife, and I'm like, the first thing. Of course, that I said was I'll show you nine inches. But, uh, but yeah, his his hands are smaller than than most. But um, again, he was sarcastic about it, and he's looking to to be an amazing quarterback. And and who knows how much goes into that? You know, of course, you, you might want to see um, a, a bigger guy um, in the NFL and things like that. But athletically, what, what Burrow could do in college, you know, I, I think it's a, a small thing to worry about, in my opinion. Yeah, and I don't really think that's anything that the uh, Bengals are going to be too worried about because I still think they're going to pick him number one overall uh, when it comes to <laughs> yeah, the upcoming draft. So, yeah, it goes right back to that. Yeah, exactly. But speaking of the draft, too, also I thought this was kind of interesting. Uh, the general manager of the New York Giants, Dave Gettleman, uh, is on record for saying that they are open for business as far as uh, their first-round pick goes. So obviously they are open to a trade uh, to trade down, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, that's uh, just some more movement uh, leading up to this. And, uh, you know, there's always something going on, man. And, I mean, this is pretty interesting anyway because – the uh, as we mentioned in previous episodes, the quarterback free agent carousel is so big this year, including Joe Burrow, 
and the the effects that that could have on you know like Andy Dalton and and other quarterbacks uh, around the league. Uh, it's going to be weird, man, because you know NFL free agency starts on March thirteenth or March eighteenth, and obviously it's going to be like this you know, feeding frenzy, I would think, but everybody's going to be waiting for someone to make that first move. And that's going to kind of set off a bunch of other things. And, uh, we've never seen that before. Uh, and free agency has been a thing for a long time, but I don't remember ever seeing these many quarterbacks up for grabs, uh, in the course of an off season. Can't wait to play Madden in 2020 because it's going to be completely different maybe than any other Madden ever with all these moves. And yeah, we're not going to know until, until they go down. And yeah, as far as it all goes, you know, from, from the situation with Burroughs to the free agency aspects, I mean, if, as long as it's not nefarious or illegal, which obviously it's not going to be. And the, the business aspect of it is, it's just that. So, you know, people are going to land where they land and, to Joe Burrow's point, um, that's kind of what he seems to be leaning towards is like, you know, look, I'm I'm a, a quarterback. I'm going to be playing professional football. I'm going to be getting paid a lot of money. I'm a competitor. I'm going to do the best I can. And wherever I go, I go. You know, it's it's up to the football gods, basically. So, uh, but yeah, I, we've talked about it for, for weeks, man. It's a super interesting uh, NFL offseason. Absolutely, man. No doubt about that. So let's take a quick commercial break. And uh, when we come back, uh, we're going to have a goofster goof segment that I, I got two words for you, the J. Dick Pound. Ooh, I'm already hornier than I already am. Just yeah, saying this, a lot. This is going to be hilarious. So uh, stick with us. Uh, we're going to do our final wrap up and we're going to do goofster goofs uh, right after this commercial break right here on the podcast. So we'll be back right after this on the What's Real podcast. This is Ed from the What's Real podcast. What would dad do? Suppose dad was going to create the greatest hangout spot in the world. Would he have more than 100 craft beers? Check. Hard to find sweet seasonal brews on tap? Check. Juicy burgers seasoned with goodness and grilled to perfection? Check. Signature dogs and beloved favorites on the menu? Check. Comfortable for friends and family, even your little brother? Check. Welcome to dad's. Well, that's what Dan, Steve, and Eric set out to do. Of course, the trio had spent some quality years working together at a certain hot dog and beer joint in Monroeville. That's when they came to the conclusion that they could shape a bar and restaurant with the beer they love, the food they love, and the people love they hang out with. So, Dad's was born. In its first year, Dad's has become a favorite hangout for many who stumbled in for the very first time. We hope to be your favorite spot, too. Check us out on the web at dadspub.com. Give us a call at area code 412 856-5666 located at 4320 Northern Pike Monroeville and 1050 Brayton Avenue Pittsburgh PA that's dad's no air conditioning no whirlpool please get built in Bloomfield at the exercise warehouse gym the exercise warehouse gym is not a health spa we do not have any gimmicks to interfere with your workout we've created an atmosphere for results not lounging around We do have clean locker and shower rooms for men and women for your convenience. Old-style free weights, including barbells and dumbbells, hammer, body masters and Nautilus strength training equipment, treadmills, recumbent bikes, aerobic classes, self-defense classes, personal training by Marco, 
Personal training and gym membership gift certificates available. Cooler stock with protein drinks and bottled water, gym logo t-shirts, and hoodies available. Check us out at www.builtinbloomfield.com at 4042 Liberty Avenue, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, 15224. You can call us at area code 412-621-1650. That's area code 412-621-1650. And we're back here on the podcast. And as I mentioned before we went to break, uh, you know, the goofs or goof segment is going to be a good one uh, because of two words, dick pound. Uh, and the reason why I say that, the J, is because that is the man that is he's a senior member of the International Olympic Committee. And he said this week that if it proves too dangerous to hold the Olympics in Tokyo this summer because of the coronavirus outbreak, organizers are more likely to cancel it altogether than to propose or move it. Uh, Dick Pound is a former Canadian swimming champion who has been on the IOC since 1978, making him one or its longest serving member. Uh, there is a three-month window, uh, perhaps two-month, to decide the fate of the Tokyo Olympics. So we might not hear anything until late May, um, in and around that time, apparently. And that's what uh, he said in an interview with the Associated Press. And you might be wondering why uh, this man is uh, listed in Goofs or Goofs. Well, first off, his name. I think that's more than appropriate, wouldn't you say, the J? I mean, I have two questions to start my take on this segment. The first being... Who would think in the world that Dick Pound would not be a 70s porn star, but a former Canadian swimming champion from the 70s? That checks the first And number two, in Canada, did they do the Bueller-Bueller? Because if if he's absent, then that substitute (laughs) teacher saying, Pound Dick, Pound Dick. I'm sure, you know. Try the steak, folks. But I, I kind of wonder if it's if his name's actually Richard Pound. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of actually be even funnier for some reason. Pound Richard, Pound. Well, oh, because if he was Richard Dick Pound, the Richard the Dick Pound. And, and it brings up. Uh, it, it's funny because you know, on top of everything else, it does bring up a serious matter where the world is turning into the. The zombie apocalypse because we made too many goddamn zombie movies, and I think the the world just adapted and said, "Okay, you fuckers need a real one here or something." So yeah, the coronavirus stuff's pretty crazy. Yeah, and it's uh, clearing. It's pretty clear that it's more and more of a worldwide issue going forward, uh, which is not cool uh, to say the least. Um, but also, and the good too, thing about it. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ed. I was just going to say the good thing about it is supposedly it's not it's it's mild overall. You know, there's been a lot of worldwide fatal deaths, you know, especially in China, but supposedly it's you know mild and it's it's like so many other things. If, if you diagnose it quickly and get treated, um, you know, you don't uh, suffer death. But nonetheless, it's yeah, it's super scary. It's like anything, you know, because uh, like like I've heard people bring up the the flu you know i don't know if you would refer to it as the common flu but just the flu in general kills you know more people i think than than any uh sickness right now but uh just as far as a worldwide epidemic it's it's still a goddamn scary thing no doubt about that and the thing that i was going to bring up here too is 
there's a lot of money that changes hands uh, whenever the Olympics are held somewhere. And a lot of times a, a country will build a significant amount of arenas and stadiums and things like that Very specifically just for this use. So it'll be interesting to see if the IOC has to return some of the money back to the country that paid up to have the event there in the first place, which I think is utterly fucking ridiculous because cu- countries have gone bankrupt trying to have an Olympics there. Uh, if you don't believe me, Google that. Look, Just look up the amount of abandoned shit in the world strictly from the Olympics. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and it's some nightmare shit, uh, just seeing the pictures from it. It's, it's pretty wild. Uh, but yeah, I think that that's something that's, you know, worth mentioning nonetheless. Oh, for sure. And I, I just, it's another wait and see situation. I, I am just very curious to see how they do make the call on this. You know, Dick Pound does make a good point where it's, it's a fucking outbreak, man, you know, and whether they cancel altogether, postpone and remove it is, is a, a big time decision. So very interesting to see what, what is uh, the final result of this. No doubt about that. So that's uh, pretty much our show uh, for this week. I guess we could talk a little bit about next week's show. Uh, obviously we're going to be doing a little bit of a preview for next weekend's uh, upcoming WWE pay-per-view, the elimination chamber, uh, we are officially on the road to WrestleMania at this point. Uh, so we'll mention that we will give you guys results of uh, a show that you may be wondering why we haven't talked too much about. And that's the super showdown. Uh, that'll be explained all on next week's show. Um, and, uh, some XFL week four, I think that's uh, safe to say, uh, we'll be doing those on next week's show and some more stuff. Uh, I, I imagine, uh, we'll have to see what occurs in the upcoming week. Uh, obviously, uh, we thank all you guys for listening each and every week and putting up with our banter. If you have anything you'd like to add, anything you'd like to tell us, any comments, any suggestions, any criticisms, you could do so by sending us an email at whatsrealpod at gmail.com. Once again, that is whatsrealpod at gmail.com. Taking it home the Jay's way. Shout out to our, our people um, we opened the show with. Man, we've, we're, uh, again, really transparent with everybody, man. We like just getting um, getting things out there and, and talking about it on air or not, on, online or not. And um, I, I hope it just rubs off on everybody that you only do live once. It's cliched and cheesy or however you want to put it is. YOLO it up, man. You only live once. Tomorrow's are not guaranteed. So um, you know, I hope everybody out there – uh, listening to us now uh, just realizes that uh, life is very precious, and um, you know that's why we love doing the podcast and, and different things and being interested in all this stuff here on on Earth and and consistently asking you know what's real, you know what's real, guys. So um, hope you enjoyed it. As I always say, Cam, uh, shout out to you, man. Thanks for everything you do as our producer. Love the show. Hey, Ill brother from another mother. Been through it, man. Wouldn't go through it with anybody else though. Our crew's the best. Uh, Much love to everybody, and I'll see you all next week. Right on the J. Uh, Totally agree with you on that, man. Uh, 110%. uh, At the very least, just try and do something kind for someone else if you can. It does make a big difference. Uh, Obviously, thank you to all our listeners for listening and supporting the show. Uh, If you would, tell a friend. I really do appreciate uh, how people try and spread the show around. Thank you very much. 
Uh, obviously, producer Cam, thank you, my friend, for all your hard work. The J, it's always a pleasure, my friend, as I say every week here on the podcast. That is it for us here on the show this week. We will see you next week down the road here on the What's Real podcast. Take it easy, everybody. What's real? What's real? What's real? The real question is.